92.7 WMAY. Springfield's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show. I always look forward to our monthly check-in with Summer Griffith, the director of the Lincoln Library, Springfield's public library in downtown Springfield. Always a lot happening there, and we always appreciate her time to catch us up on all of it. Summer, welcome back to the program. Hey, Jim. How are you doing today? Doing very well, thank you. And uh, thanks for taking the time, especially to start with something that is really important, especially right now. Uh, we know we're, we're hearing lots of stories nationwide about uh, uh, the, the drop-off in school test scores, that kids are uh, seeing some of the, the lowest numbers in, in reading and math. And uh, when we talk about things like literacy and, and really being able to you know, get to school and, and you know, function there, uh, this is going to turn into a real problem for a lot of kids in the uh, months and years to come. But Lincoln Library is stepping up to try to do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I do think we're going to be talking about this in decades from now. But one thing that, um, you know, we're really going to try to put our money where our mouth is and do some real investments. So um, just some numbers, we have worked with District 186, and we have made sure that every kid in District 186 who does not have a library card can have an e-card. So that's all of the donut holes, Southern View, um, including teachers. So we have about 15,000 e-cards. Um, as of last month that are going out. So that's really, really excited. And we have... Um, can can new- I ask you about that? Oh, yeah. The e-card, does, does that uh, only uh, get you to access certain resources of the library? How, how does that work exactly? Sure. So that is all of our online materials okay. there. So we have 32, and that does include live tutorial homework help. Like we have a um, program that you can log on with your e-card that provides live homework help. Um, Everything from that, we have about 32 online databases and research tools, again, including live online homework help. And we've had our youth service manager, who herself was a classroom teacher for 16 years, going out to District 180 school sites and meeting with students and teachers and really talking about how to use this because hundreds and thousands of material is available online. So that's just one way we're doing it. Another way we're doing it is by investing in some really needed hard material items. So we have these decodables coming in and those were suggested to us by um, some educators in the district and they break down literacy in a different way. They're wonderful for kids with dyslexia but are really fantastic for all readers. We're also investing in what are called high lows, um, and that is low reading level but high interest. So you have kids that are a little bit older who may be struggling reading. They don't want to read baby books. They want to read young adult books. And so we're going to invest um, in some more resources that really fill those gaps. Really? So uh, we're gonna, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It just, it just it seems like some really innovative strategies to this. Uh, these are things that I'm guessing a lot of it hasn't been done here locally before. Where has it been done, and, and how did you become aware of all of it? I'm not sure where it's been done yet, but I know that we're listening to the smartest people in the room about these things, and we're really meeting the needs of the community. Bringing in a youth service manager who herself was a classroom teacher is a huge win for the library, as well as just increasing our relationship and honestly our listening ear um, to the needs of the community. Summer Griffith here with Lincoln Library. I wanted to ask you, too, about something I know we've talked about on the program, and uh, you were uh, featured in a a news story uh, a couple of weeks back as it pertains 
pertains to some of this phenomenon. We haven't really seen it locally yet, but certainly in other parts of the country, uh, efforts by school districts to ban books, limit access to certain types of books that may have more uh, sophisticated material. But for teenagers, these are things that really uh, cut right to the, the heart of some of the things they're going through, whether it's their own sexuality, etc. Tell me a bit about the, the library's policies as it pertains to uh, young people's access to, to certain books and, and what, what rules do you have and how wide open is it there? Yeah, so first of all, so anyone who is a minor, our, our policy reminds um, everyone that the responsibility for a child's use of library materials lie with the parents and guardians, right? So we don't restrict access for, um, you know, we clearly have a youth department. Do we have an adult department? But um, we don't restrict access or put books behind, you know, some kind of closed door that they would have to get in. What we do say is know your child, you know, come with your child, have a good dialogue with your child. And in particular, it is the parent and family's responsibility to, to check out books that are responsible for their children. You know, I have a, we've talked about it. I have a six and a seven year old, almost eight year old. Of course they can't read every book in the library. They can't even read every book in the children's department because not everyone aligns with our values. And that's the decision that my husband and I make. And we really support all families. But what we do at the library and the way our policy reads is that the library's acquisition of an item is not an endorsement of the item's content, but rather an expression of the library's support of all intellectual freedom. So we say it like this. We have books, not opinions. As the library, we hold the books, and then it's the family's responsibility to choose which ones that are best for their family. Is there a way for a parent to say, uh, I, I don't want my child to have access to a, a certain book? I mean, if the, if the kid is there, and it might be a, a teenager, but still a minor, uh, they're not going to necessarily have their parents with them at all times. Is there a way for a parent to communicate those wishes that, that a certain book wouldn't be available for checkout? So that would be against our policy because that would put the the onus of responsibility and liability on the library. And, and just to be practical, to make all of those notes for the, you know, thousands and thousands of children sure. that we have would just be a legal nightmare. Um, so what we suggest is, you know, have a good relationship with your child. You know, we don't we don't police the content of what somebody's checking out. You know, obviously uh, it is anyone who is a minor, it's an adult. It's their guardian's responsibility if they get them a library card. Yeah. Um, so there's some ways that you can do that. If you, you know, if you particularly want to keep that very close, there are ways within the family that you can do that. Let's talk about some of the things that are uh, on the uh, agenda this week. Uh, Lincoln Library Board uh, meeting here toward the end of the month. And one of the things I saw on the agenda has to do with microfilm digitization. Now, when I was younger, and I haven't done it for a while, and I really miss it, but when I was younger, I could literally spend hours down at the main <laughs> branch going through old newspapers on microfilm, reading the old news stories, the old ads, the TV listing. You know, I just I found it endlessly fascinating. Uh, what is the digitiza digitization process? Because you know, back in those days, you actually had to get a reel of film, put it on a machine, <laughs> wrap it around a spool, and then just you know feed it through. So, what would digitization look like, and how accessible would those materials be? Yeah. So, so what's happened is you spent all those years doing that, and now the microfilm itself, the physical microfilm, has signs of wear and tear, and we do not want to lose the actual microfilm because then we've lost history. So, what we have done um, is we have sent it out. There's a place in Iowa who's worked with uh, Kurt Main City historians work with before. Um, 
And we have sent 107 rolls of microfilm that have small Sangamon and the uh, surrounding counties papers. So uh, going back to 1860, you know, maybe they were around for a couple years, but it really is the genealogy and historical value of our communities. So we're getting that digitized. And then it'll be key word findable, which will be amazing. So if you're looking up something and you're looking up your grandfather's last name, you can keyword in it and you can find all, instead of searching for hours, it will pop up everywhere like a control F, um, all of that keyword. So that's fantastic. And we also have sent out um, about, let's see, uh, 18, 19 rolls of city minutes, which will also, going back years and years, decades and decades back, which will also digitize the city minutes as well. So we have a huge project. We're looking to get those back probably in 23, um, but we have out a couple, you know, about 125 rolls of microfilm that are showing signs of wear and tear that will we then be able to have publicly forever on the cloud so that people can always find it by keyword. Now the so That'll be really neat. The collection you had of State Journal Register editions uh, on microfilm, that's all been digitally converted? Correct. Okay. Correct. So what we're doing is like much, much, much smaller, like the, the Petersburg paper that was, you know, from 1860 to 1867, you know, just very, very niche, tiny, um, but really uh, valuable uh, newspapers. So all of the State Journal Registers, all of Illinois Times, those are all already digitized. If you're an amateur genealogist though that's a gold mine in, in those gold materials there mind. so how, yes. how much for that roughly 125 or so rolls how much does it cost to get that digitized this is about twenty two thousand wow. dollars so we worked with the mayor's office to get this done and really excited to to know what a value that this was for our community so yep we absolutely it, it's not cheap but it is we we were going to lose history and we just did not want to do that uh, another item on the agenda is an update on the bookmobile not to steal anybody's thunder from the meeting this week but uh, what can you tell us about where we stand on that uh, acquisition? Every day we are closer. We have looked at bids. We are going through the bidding process with the purchasing. We are making decisions, and we look forward to making some announcements about timing sometime very, very soon. So that every day that moves closer, and so I was talking to purchasing earlier today, and that's the ball is moving. Cannot wait to hear more about that. Please keep Me us neither. posted. Before we let you go, real quickly, what are some of the big items on the library's calendar for the weeks to come? We have a murder mystery after hours, November 5th. There are just a handful of spots open. We have already extended how many people can come. We also have a kid-friendly whodunit murder mystery, not murder because they're kids, on November 3rd. Sorry, just a whodunit, like a clue game. That's going to be really, really neat. And then we're going to be part of the downtown holiday walks and just come out for wintertime. Now, in fairness, when I was a kid, I played Clue, and that was a murder mystery. There Absolutely, was, there, there right. Was it sure was. In the conservatory <laughs> with the candles. Stick, but uh, but I, I appreciate that you're, you're going to go a little bit easier on our young people today. Summer Griffith, Executive Director of the Lincoln Library in Springfield. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank and so much. And uh, give people the web address so they can get more information. They're always at www.lincolnlibrary.info. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.